Okay, so we are in the book of Proverbs, looking at some major words in the book of Proverbs. We're going to actually look at a lot of words today. Uh, But we're going to start with something I I think I've started on uh, before, and I think it is beyond question that there are two kinds of people. Uh, For instance, there are people who give and there are people who take. There are people who build and people who destroy. There are people who are in shape and people who hate people who are in shape. (laughs) Right? And so on. There's two types of people, but there is an endless list of two kinds of people, right? There's not just two kinds of two kinds of people or one kind of two kinds of people. There are thousands of categories of two types of people. And so today we're going to look at some two kinds of people we find in Proverbs. Proverbs is full of contrasts between one person or one kind of person and another. Uh, and, and they're all, the, the, all, the, all the examples we're going to look at are where a type of person, the type is preceded by the word the. So the wise and the fool. Didn't, didn't count any of the words wise that didn't have the in front of them, or any words fool that didn't have the in front of them, or a whole lot of other words, because I was only looking at where the Bible is specifically talking about types of people. Uh, so we have the wise. Uh, the, the wise, for example, is... Uh, Oh, I have some examples. The wise, the fool, the scoffer, the discerning. And so the word the tells it's, it's, it's uh, uh, that type. Um, sometimes they will be contrasted with the fool or the something. Sometimes it will be um, used in a different way. The heavy drinker and the glutton will come to poverty. And they're not contrasted at all, but they are types that are just, that's what happens to them. Most often, though, they are contrasted with the opposite. And today we're going to see if we can't learn something from some of these opposites. So, so the two kinds of people, there's, there's some that are seldom mentioned, right? Uh, for instance, there are several that are only mentioned once. The borrower and the lender, right? I just mentioned the, the drunkard and the scoffer. Let's look at the borrower and the lender. Everything's in Proverbs. I flipped my Bible way over. Uh, Proverbs 22, verse 7 tells us about the borrower and the lender, and they are opposites from each other. The rich rules over the poor, and the borrower becomes the lender's slave. And so you have the two kinds of people, the borrower and the lender, and they are contrasted, uh, they are followed by that contrast of the rich and the poor uh, that are used in the, in the same way. Uh, Neither, I think of uh, Shakespeare, and I think it was in Hamlet where he said, neither a borrower nor a lender be. I only know that because I saw it on Gilligan's Island, right? <laughs> neither a borrower, they did a musical Hamlet, nor a lender be. You think I would not remember Gilligan's Island after all these years, but, <laughs> okay. Uh, and, and it sounds like good advice because the borrower becomes the slave of the lender, and who wants to be either one of those if you can avoid it? Uh, so it's good advice, don't be either, either ones. The word devious is used, right? The devious, and it is contrasted with the upright, right? Uh, and I'm just going to read some of these. Proverbs 3.32, not 3.32. It's 3, that's what I have. Oh, they don't have 3.22. do have 3.32. For the devious are an abomination to the Lord, but he is intimate with the upright. So the, God, God is considers the, the devious an abomination, but he is intimate with the upright. And we have, have the contrast. The devious are contrasted with the upright. The humble are contrasted, not with the proud, but with pride. And so we see, see it doesn't always work that way. When pride comes, then comes dishonor, but with the humble, there is wisdom. So with the humble, there is wisdom, and in the humble is contrasted with the proud, 
or, or pride. The oppressor is contrasted with the poor, and that's not hard to envision. Snidely whiplash and poor, the poor lady he kicks out of her cabin, right? Uh, Proverbs 29, 13. The poor person and the oppressor have this in common. The Lord gives light to the eyes of both. And he's giving a teaching, not contrasting as in God loves this one but hates the other, but he's saying, hey, you guys have something in common. You're both answer to God. Uh, you both need to look with him. The perverse is contrasted with the blameless. The pure is contrasted with the guilty. The slow to anger is contrasted with the hot-tempered person. And we find, we find, and you hear those contrasts, you go, yeah, that's really easy. And, and before we move on to those that are mentioned one, more than once, they get mentioned a little more, there's some things that we can start to see as we look at these. And they're, they're things that you probably could pre- pre- could have said beforehand, <laughs> you could have expected or anticipated, but first is that even God uses the, the framework of two kinds of people. <laughs> so when I say there's two kinds of people, I am, I, you know, I'm not just being a babbling fool, I'm following a technique that God presented to us, so I, I, that makes me feel a little bit better, pat on the back. Uh, contrast is sometimes an excellent way to teach things to teach what things mean, to teach a better understanding of them. Sometimes it's easier to show what a word is the opposite of than to show what the word actually means. If you try explaining words to little kids, sometimes it becomes really difficult, and you find yourself trying to figure out how to say this without stumbling over the words, and they say, well, it's the opposite of this, and then it it just falls into place. And so so God uses that that contrast, the two kinds of people kind of things, to to make his point uh, pretty clear. That's one of the things we can see to it. And second is that as we look at this and we look at the the bad side and the good side, you know what you see? It's easier to be the bad side than it is to be the good side. And that's that's something we need to take note of. Because if we just go with what comes naturally, if we just do what's easiest, we will find ourselves being the bad people. Not because we want to be, but because we fall into it. We fall into being the negative kind of person. Uh, and and it works with easy, easy, any of those. Is it not, answer me this, Amy, having been at camp three weeks as a cabin leader, is it easier to lose your temper than to control it? <laughs> and, and I didn't hear her say she lost her temper, but, but man, did I hear what she was saying. By the way, kids, I just have to know, let, let you know, uh, you will be so glad they shave a day off seven and eight camp. <laughs> you, are, you are little mama, mama duck, and all the baby ducks follow you. And that's not just the girl, even though it's, you know, the, the mama duck pictures, is you are glued to those kids 24-7. And uh, there's wonderful little sweethearts that they wear on you. And Samuel, as you were describing that kid, I remember being dean one year where I told a kid, stand by me. If I move, you move with me. And for the last day and a half, that's what he did. And he didn't get into any trouble. <laughs> that was, and he had a great time. We were buds. But, but uh, in his cabin, he was a terror. And, uh, you know, the little kids, I just got to tell you, pray, pray for your ki- kids who are staff at camp this week because you thought you had it bad this week. The, the good thing is that they're so sweet. If you, when, when, a, when a seven- or eight-year-old gets in trouble and you take him to see the dean, the dean stands there. This is way off the sermon, but I can't help it. Uh, the, the dean stands there like this. He's not looking angry. He's just standing there waiting patiently. And the kid walks up and looks up. And you have to try to tell him, did you do wrong? 
Please don't ever do it again. Okay! <laughs> you can't be gentle enough. Anyway, back to subject. There are two kinds of people. <laughs> people who, are, who make good beans and people who make bad beans. <laughs> oh, sorry. Um, it's easier to lose your temper, temper than to control it. It is easier to be prideful than to be humble. Wow. It is easier to, to be, uh, let's see, what's my other one? To get in debt than to get out of debt, just, just to use that one. The, the, the negative side of those are easier than the positive side. We have to watch ourselves. Because, and that's one of the reasons why it's good to read Proverbs, because we see these things that, that once we see them, they click and we just go, yeah, this, is, this, is, this makes sense. I understand this. I recognize this. So the contrast shows us both what we should strive for and what we should work to avoid. But let's look at some of the other categories of people that are used a little bit more often. The word discerning is used twice, the discerning, the proud, the evil, uh, the, the, the discerning and the proud are both used twice. The evil are used three times. The blameless four times. The diligent four times. The rich four times. And the scoffer or the scoffers four times. And most of them, as you hear them, you don't have a hard time figuring out if they fall on the side of the good people or the bad people, what we should be like or what we should not be like. Uh, and, and it's not hard to figure out what they are dis contrasted with. Discerning uh, and good, discerning is good, is contrasted with the senseless. The discerning is contrasted with the senseless. The proud is bad. It's contrasted with humility. Evil, the evil are bad. Okay, that's not hard for us to, to hang on to. The diligent, that's a good one. It's contrasted with the lazy. And it's funny because we haven't, while we have the diligent, it's contrasted with the lazy. The lazy makes it into the top 10. <laughs> We're going to look at the top 10 in a minute. The scoffer, that's bad. The rich. Is contrasted with the poor, but you go, wait a minute, wait a minute. <laughs> Don't pick on the rich. And the issue isn't whether you are rich or poor, but how the rich treats the poor. And that's really clear coming through when we read about the rich and the poor in, in, in Proverbs. It's the rich who abuse their, their riches and power to, to oppress the poor. It's the rich who get rich by abusing the poor. Uh, and, and I want to flip for a minute to Proverbs 22. Right? We already looked at Proverbs 22, verse 7. The rich rules over the poor, and the borrower becomes the lender's slave. And the rich and the poor are there, and the rich rules over the poor. But if we back up to, rich, to chapter 22, verse 2, there's another the rich and the poor statement. The rich and the poor have a common bond. The Lord is the maker of them all. <laughs> And, and, and that's not saying a negative or a positive. It's just saying all you guys are, need to be are answerable to God, whether rich or poor. And he's not, the Bible is not saying don't be rich. It's saying if you're rich, be rich well. If you're poor, be poor well. And, and, and so the rich is, uh, con uh, the rich <laughs> is contrasted with the poor. Uh, but the issue isn't rich is bad and poor is good. But there's definitely a contrast between the two and and. And uh, the mistake people make, that's what, you know, all the people who try for Marxism and communism is they, they assume that if you're rich, you're bad. And, and that's just a foolish assumption. Okay, so let's move on to the top 10, two kinds of people that we find in Proverbs. And there's a three-way tie for 10. So it's 8, 9, and 10 are all tied up together. Uh, each one is mentioned six times. We have the fool or the foolish, right? Uh, we have the naive uh, and the, we have the needy. 
Okay, and the fool and the naive are basically synonyms, but not quite. The fool and the naive are both contrasted with the wise and the sensible. Uh, the naive, in, I, I believe, are slightly ahead of the fool as far as less bad than the fool, because the fool is just a fool. He has no excuse for being a fool. The naive at least has the excuse of inexperience. Uh, he, he, has, he has not got experience, so he makes mistakes that, that are foolish, that had he had experience, he might not have made. We all know that good judgment comes from bad experience that comes from bad judgment. For instance, yeah, I remember doing that. You know, we get together, we, we, Christ, we good Christian men that everybody thinks are so godly and so well-behaved, get together and start talking about the lessons we learned and how we learned them. And how many of you can raise your hand and say, yes, I did the dumbest things. <laughs> Nobody's raising your hand. Annie, you don't count. I'm talking about when the men get together. Ladies, ladies do other dumb things. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, you know, how, how did I learn an awful lot of my lessons? The hard way, right? I, I'm not smart enough to learn from other people's bad experiences. I have to have my own, right? And so that's, those experiences can be chalked up to being naive. I, I learned my lesson and no longer was that fool. The fool is the one who doesn't have the excuse. But the naive still, he's not without escape because he still should know better. Right? He should take warning. He should know that's not a good idea. This is not what my mom would want me to do. This is not what grandma would be proud of if I did this. And, you know, mom and grandma, they're the, they're the ones. Uh, if, you, if anything that you're going to do that you're trying to decide if you should do it or not, think, would mom do that? Would, mom, would grandma do it? Would grandma be ashamed of me? Ooh, man, did I just put a heavy burden on you, right? Uh, so so we, have, we have the naive uh, is better than the fool, but he still has not applied thought like he needs to. And when we start thinking about being the wise and the sensible, you know, the sensible is the person who is sensible. He makes wise decisions, good decisions. He thinks things through. And so the naive says, hey, that looks like fun. Let's go do it. And the sensible person says, no, I, I'm not doing that, right? Uh, I, uh, I'm, I'm a roller coaster guy. Don't do them. Haven't done. I did one at Silverwood this year, uh, and I found I threw my arms up, and I found out my bad shoulder hurts when I do that. You know, it's like, man, that takes all the fun out of it if you can't throw it. But I, I, would, I, would, I would go like this. Uh, for I, first time on a roller coaster, I go, if I'd been on this roller coaster a bunch of times, I'd throw my arms up. Therefore, first time. I'm throwing my arms up, and I do that. And one day I was getting off a roller coaster, and I'd had my arms up, and the guy behind me says, uh, wish I could do that. And I thought he had a fear of roller coaster problem. But when we stood up, I stood up, and he stood up. <laughs> and I realized, if he put his arms up, <laughs> he would come back without hands, right? It would not be sensible for him to look at me and say, he's got his hands up, I can do that too. <laughs> he, had, he had a little forethought go into that, and he did not do what I did. And by the way, for me, it worked, but for him, it doesn't work. Uh, it would not be sensible for him. So the, pri the, 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 the naive and the fool is contrasted with the wise and the naive. Uh, the third one that, that uh, was in with that is the needy. And the needy is contrasted with the proud, but the needy is not presented as a negative thing. Uh, the needy, most often when we look at the book of Proverbs, are simply those people who are needy. And, and for instance, uh, you look at the, the wise woman of Proverbs 31, and she gives to the needy. 
the king is to look after the needy. And the needy are those people who are needy because for, for cause, as opposed to uh, the lazy bums. They're, they're not the same as the lazy. Leedy and, I shouldn't say lazy bums. That's very ape, uh, non, what's the word? Say it again. Antinubian. <laughs> He's saying, oh, no, I was thinking politically incorrect. That's what I was trying to say. You can't say bums anymore. You have to say, yeah, I'm not going to say it. <laughs> but I grew up saying bums. Uh, that's what my mom taught me. And, and we were not to grow up and be bums. You were not to, we're not to be lazy and, and, and demand other people meet our needs and, and that kind of a thing. The needy is not the person who is lazy. The needy is the person who is in need, sometimes for things beyond their, their, their control. There are people who you see who need help that you want to help because you see they need help. And there are people who need help that you say, I'm not wasting any time or money giving them help because they will abuse it and misuse it. And, and it takes discernment sometimes to know the difference between those two. But, but that's the needy. So those are the three, uh, eight, nine, and ten of the top ten kinds of people in Proverbs. And, and then we finally get to move number seven, and that is the lazy. Right? Use seven times the lazy, and the lazy is contrasted with not just the diligent. This is really interesting. You know what else the lazy is contrasted with? The, the, the upright. And we find out, wow, according to Proverbs, lazy is a moral condition because it is contrasted with the upright. And the upright is, is almost but not quite a synonym for the righteous the good guys, those who, who are upright, who do good. Uh, they're, 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 they're not just contrasted with hardworking. They are contrasted with the righteous. And laziness is not merely unproductive. It is bad. Laziness is a negative. Okay, we move on to number six. This is a good one, the treacherous. I'm going, I was surprised to see that one in there. The treacherous is mentioned eight times. It is contrasted with the upright. And, and this is another negative that helps us better understand the upright, because the treacherous is those who betray. That's what it means to, to commit treachery, is to betray somebody. The treacherous are the, the traitors. It's contrasted with the upright. And it helps us to understand the upright. Whatever motivates the traitor to betray does not move the upright. Because you think about, what does it take to cause the traitor to betray? What does it take to commit a person to, to commit treachery? Well, sometimes it might be money. But the upright, he says, do you think I'd do that for money? Why would I do that for money? That would be wrong. The upright will not do that for money. He might do it for power. He might do it for revenge. He might do it for pride. He might be moved by any one of a whole number of reasons to commit his treachery. But the upright says, no, I won't do that. I will, there, there are not circumstances that would, would move me to commit that act. And so to be upright, and, and you start talking again about which is easier, because treachery comes easy. Board game players, uh, how many of you ever played Uno, the kind where it's okay to cheat? Right? I, I, I try not to cheat in games unless it's okay to cheat. <laughs> Uno, the way it's okay to cheat is, is, is if, if people don't catch you flipping down the card of another color or the card of another number, and you get away with it, you got away with it. And if the next person plays and someone says, hey, you did it, you get a gloat. Ha <laughs> ha, suckered you all, right? That's fun. I love that. That's fun. 
unless it's actually against the rules, <laughs> in which case, first time my poor wife ever played Monopoly with me. She didn't know I was raised by wolves. <laughs> and she owned, she owned St. Charles Place. And every time, we weren't married yet. <laughs> every time she landed on St. Charles Place, I said $10. And she paid me $10. Because she was raised by honest, upstanding people. And it was just her and my dad and me, and my dad was looking at me like this. Because <laughs> I was a fool, and my dad was discerning. Because <laughs> I paid a price when one day, at one point of the game, she looks down at her and says, I own St. Charles Place. And I'm going, ha, <laughs> And she's like, that's not funny. <laughs> and all of a sudden I found out, that I was treacherous. <laughs> I was, uh, all it took for me was a motivation of having a little fun. This was fun for me. It's not like the $10 each time around, each time I land on St. or she landed on St. Charles Place made me win or lose the game. It was just fun, right? So you can be treacherous for a lot of reasons. Okay, uh, moving on. Uh, tied for fifth place, 17 mentions, right? Sixth place, eight mentions was the treacherous. Uh, fifth place, 17 mentions, the upright. And we have a tie, the upright and the poor, uh, though. So the upright contrasted with workers of injustice, contrasted with the devious, contrasted with the treacherous, contrasted with the wicked, contrasted with fools, contrasted with the lazy, contrasted with people of bloodshed, and contrasted with the unjust person. The upright, a whole lot of contrasts. Uh, the upright is the person who doesn't do any of those things. Uh, if it's a little bit easier, he is compared to those who walk in integrity and those who are blameless. Those are compared to the upright. Uh, he is, and, and to be counted among the upright is a good thing. You know, I don't know if we use the word upright, but we might say he's a, an upstanding person. Same, same thing. Someone who is upright, upstanding, doing the good things. Someone who you, you know will not go back on his word. Someone who you know will not betray you and cheat you at either Uno or Monopoly, right? Uh, those kind of things. The poor is contrasted with the rich, and it's, it's certainly not a goal, right? Uh, as in to be poor is good and rich is bad. Uh, poor is never a goal that we have, uh, but it is not to be despised. And that is made really clear. We're not to despise the poor. There are lots of reasons why people can be poor. And poor can be a result of, of, of laziness. But there are other things that cause people to be poor. And to be rich or poor is sometimes uh, simply God's choice to make you rich or to allow you to, or to make you poor. Uh, he, he, he is in charge of these things. And the poor is not to be despised. Third place, 18 mentions, we finally find the wise which is a little bit surprising because did you think, anybody think wise was going to be number one? Most mentioned? It's not. In fact, it's not close. Even though it's in third place, we look at the numbers, it's not even close. Uh, the wise is contrasted to fools, to scoffers, and to the naive. Only three contrasts directly with the wise. Uh, and the, but they are compared to a fountain of life. You know, something that gives life or gives a freshness to life. The wise, the wise are a blessing. To those around them, it, the wise give life. Um, and, and I, I want to say this, that because the wise is contrasted to the fool. That's the obvious one. That's the one you find on the bulletin cover just because it's the obvious one. Uh, but I want to point out what it says in Proverbs 8, verse 5. And by the way, it's also kind of the method of, message of our scripture reading today. 
But 8 verse 5 is speaking to the, the naive, to the foolish. You naive ones understand prudence, and you fools understand wisdom. You know what that proverb is saying? It's saying the naive can become wise. The fools can become prudent. And when we read those first six verses of Proverbs back in chapter 1, uh, we see that. He's saying to, to, to help you to be wise, for those to seek out, to search, and to know. Uh, anybody here, and, and I know there's more than one of us, <laughs> who would not be hesitant to class ourselves as at least sometimes being a fool, it's not a terminal situation. <laughs> it's nothing we are cursed to. We have the we have the ability, by the way, the responsibility to overcome that. God doesn't see us where we are and say, you are doomed to be, be like what you are like for the rest of your life. He sees what we are, and he sees also what we can become. He sees us, and, and sometimes we think there is no hope for me, but God never looks at you and says there is no hope for you. And, and he gives these teachings, among other things, to make you wise. Okay, the second most mentions, right? The wise had 18. The second most mentions, number two of top ten kinds of people, the righteous, 50 times. Wow, we just went from 18 to 50. Uh, and number one still blows it away. <laughs> uh, contrasted with the wicked, with fools, with the perverted, with the godless, with those who trust in riches, with the evil, with the sinners, with the scoffer, and with those who practice injustice. The righteous is clearly God's favorite phrase in Proverbs for those who do good and walk pleasing to him. And, and they are contrasted with all sorts of wickedness. They're contrasted, like I said, uh, with uh, wicked fools, perverted, godless, trust in riches, the evil, the sinners, the scoffer, and those who practice injustice. Uh, clearly God's favorite kind of person, as we find in Proverbs, the righteous, which we'll come back to that because we, we, this is Proverbs. We think it would be the wise, and it's not. The wise is only 18 times. This is 50 mentions. But when we go to number one, the one type of person listed more than any other type of person, anybody been keeping track? You can make a guess. If you've been keeping track, you can look and go, oh, this one, the wicked. The wicked, 62 times. 62 times the wicked are mentioned. By the way, when I say the wicked, uh, that's according to the new, or when I give these numbers, that's according to my New American Standard Bible. If you, if, you, if you came across me while I was working on this message, you'd see me with my big letter-sized legal sheet reading Proverbs and writing numbers. <laughs> check, 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 and, and counting, and it got uh, really dull. But <laughs> wicked, there's only one contrast we see with wicked, and it's the righteous. Uh, that, that was really interesting. I shouldn't say the righteous, because three times it's contrasted with the upright. <laughs> but every other time, it's contrasted with the righteous, when it's given as a contrast, because it isn't always. Sometimes we'll be, the wicked are bad, and sluggards are bad, something, you know, that's not a proverb, but it'd be used in a, in a continuing thought rather than a contrast like that. But when it is contrasted, it is always contrasted with the righteous, and other contrasts, like I said, are the upright. And, and the wicked are, are uh, a category, I think, that includes all those things. 
So, so the righteous and the wicked and the wise and the fool. Kind of surprise results when we go through this. Wouldn't you expect the wise and the fool, because this is Proverbs, we would think the wise and the fool are going to be the top two categories that we find when we look at this kind of thing. Why is it not? Because fool had only six mentions and the wise had 18, but the righteous had 50 and the wicked, wicked had 62. And, and, and so there's a message in that too. Uh, first message is don't let your wisdom be shaped by the world. Because the world is going to come up with a whole different understanding of what is, what is wise and what is not. And in the world's view, wisdom has very little to do with righteousness. But as we start looking at Proverbs, wisdom is the means and righteousness is the end. Or wisdom is the means and uprightness is the end. Wisdom is the way to, to, to achieve your goal of being righteous. Worldly wisdom isn't like that. You know, if, if someone is wise in the ways of the world, anybody here say, oh, that's a righteous person? No. When we hear that someone is wise in the ways of the world, it means they're skilled in the seamy side of things, right? They're skilled in the way things work in the, what, they, what they would call the real world. Wisdom is not about saying wise things. Uh, so, so the first thing we see is, is uh, is godly wisdom and earthly wisdom are not the same thing, and sometimes will run directly contrary to each other as we look at that. And we want to be, be uh, wise to that. Uh, godly wisdom results in righteousness. Righteous values, righteous actions, righteous living, righteous decisions. Godly wisdom results in all those things. Wisdom is not about saying wise things. Right? You may hear someone who says a lot of wise things and say, ooh, that's a wise person. This is my big problem with Solomon. Right? Because he wrote, he, he didn't write, oh, by the way, all the books of Proverbs, all the Proverbs we find in there. As you, you read through it, you find here are some Proverbs of, oh, what's the guy's name? Somebody's got it on the tip of their tongue, but I don't. The words of Agur, the son of Jacob, the pronouncement. Uh, that's in chapter 30, verse 31, or chapter 31, the words of King Lemuel, the pronouncement which his mother taught him. And some people will say that was Solomon, but who knows? There was no King Lemuel. It's a, a name we don't know. Uh, so Pro Sol Solomon didn't write them all. These, he wrote most of them. Uh, they, that's a distraction, sorry. <laughs> uh, but Solomon wrote most of the Proverbs, and he was considered the wise man, and people traveled from far and wide. The Queen of Sheba came up from South Arabia to, to, to listen to what he had to say and went back just impressed with his wisdom and what she heard. But, but the guy had 700 wives and 300 concubines. The guy multiplied his horses and his chariots and his gold and his silver, all things that God specifically commanded in Deuteronomy for the king not to do. It says he was not to have, to multiply, to have wives of, of foreign lands, but, but he, he not only had them, but he built temples to their gods for them which became a snare and a trap to Israel. And the wisest man that ever lived, aside from Jesus Christ himself, did foolishly because he knew wisdom, but he did not act on that wisdom that he knew. And it's not wisdom. Godly wisdom is not designed for you to know. It's designed for you to do. It is not designed for you to be able to tell other people how to live, although it, it, that's a good thing to be able to do. It is designed to tell you how to live, for you to use as self-control and to let you know 
uh, how things are supposed to work. Wisdom is not about saying wise things and looking respectable. Wisdom is about living lives that are pleasing to God. And wisdom produces that fruit. And, and the good news is, is wisdom can be gained. Okay, I already talked about that a little bit, but I like this proverb. This, this, this is, this is uh, one of my double-edged proverbs because I get to use it for two purposes. I get to use it to show that you can gain wisdom, and I get to use it to promote child discipline. And I'm thinking of the hack. <laughs> the hack. What, what does it say? Uh, foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child. The rod of discipline will drive it far from him. The foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child. The child does not know wisdom. And so, some people, especially child experts who get paid a lot of money to know everything, will say, oh, there's so much wisdom in a child. God disagrees. He says foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child. We teach them better. And sometimes it is the rod of reproof that does that. You know, it's like Johnny's about to stick his finger in the socket. Johnny, John, or Betty at the socket. Is hard. Maybe those little fingers can go in there. I guess kids get electrocuted in them. Everybody says that. I can't see it happening. But he's, he's, about, to, he's about to do something, you know, touch the two wires. And electric. In fact, he does this. <laughs> he's about to do that, and you're, uh, you say, oh, Johnny, no. Or do you scream, Johnny! <laughs> What's going to get his attention, Right? Uh, you, you have something, you, you just took a drink, you can't spit it out fast enough, you smack him away. I, I'm just using the, the most broad thing I can do. Because what? Because you don't want Johnny to die. Johnny is, he, and Johnny learns a lesson. Oh, you don't do that. <laughs> you don't lick your fingers and touch the two wires together uh, at the same time. Uh, and, and Johnny learns wisdom from discipline. Discipline teaches wisdom. We all start out foolish. Uh, and some of us stay that way. <laughs> some of us take longer to learn the lessons of wisdom, but we all start out foolish. And, and it takes work to gain wisdom. You will not gain wisdom by osmosis. You have to apply yourself. Uh, I didn't write down this proverb, but it's in there. Seek, if you seek wisdom like treasure, you will find her. And wisdom is a her. Wisdom is a woman uh, in Proverbs. And... Uh, uh, if you seek her like treasure, you will find her. And, and we have to seek it. The negative side of, of these things, of the two kinds of people that we've looked at, the negative side comes easy. You can, you can walk in that without trying. You have to choose wisdom, and you have to work at it. And, and so this is going to end with, with a, a piece of advice. Resist the temptation to foolishness. It's easy. Sometimes it's fun. Sometimes it all, it's, it just feels exciting. The temptation can be strong. Choose wisdom. Choose to please God. It is, it is by far the better of the two. Let's close in prayer. Father God, I thank you for your word, and I thank you for these, these contrasts. And Lord, as we hear them, anyone who heard things that they know describe them that, that are not good, Father, I ask you to give them the wisdom to, to move on from those things, to leave them behind. To, to gain true wisdom and to show it. I ask that we not just simply have these things in our minds, but that we live them out in our lives. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.